In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You are advised that any view expressed by the host or their guest are not necessarily the views of the owners or management of Toginet Radio, Togi Entertainment, or the Owners Group, Inc. Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, part of the Her Insight Network on Toginet. Vivian is here to talk to you, to encourage you, and to show you how she had a successful homeschooling experience with her Wildflower Academy, and that her kids turned out great, and that with God's help, you can create the same experience she did. From her beginnings in Hostert, West Germany, to Dallas, it's been quite a journey, and her abilities to adapt, survive, and thrive are what make her unique in homeschooling. So have your pen and paper ready. It's The Sociable Homeschooler. And now, here's your host, Vivian McNinney. Happy are they who fear the Lord and who follow in his ways, Psalm 128.1. In this psalm, the Lord promises us lots of children. When we used to recite this psalm at the breakfast table, I looked at my four olive shoots around about my table and smiled. Sometimes I treated them to the evil eye, imparting my own brand of fear. How apropos. Our children fear us and are happy. We fear the Lord and are happy. Amen. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Sociable Homeschooler, and I'm your host, Vivian McNinney. Time for a cup of tea and a friendly little chat on this sunny English afternoon in London. And before I go any further, happy birthday to my blue-eyed Texan who, whether I'm there or not, celebrates his birthday today without me. How old? Well, let's say this. He's over 50. Well, I'm here. Not for the first time I'm realizing how different life is on the English side of the Atlantic. Lots of things have changed since I last traveled here 16 months ago. For starters, we can still take two cases on the plane, each weighing 50 pounds, but there's a catch. You have to pay an additional $50 for the second one. My youngest daughter, Malia, and I decided to take just one suitcase each for starters and pack a soft bag to bring back with us to carry on if we needed to. With all the shopping available to us and an 18-year-old fashion plate in tow, perhaps I should take the if out of my previous musings. My case was very heavy, actually, as a sideline here. When I unpacked and stored it at the other end, I discovered my case was heavy, empty. And I remembered how we always used to take large duffel bags when we traveled with the children because they started off weighing the least. But for some reason, we stopped doing that. I suppose the advent of decent rolling suitcases coupled with more capable children, were contributing factors. Anyway, back to my case in America. I always bring books and I'm the designated carrier of the adapters, chargers, and other hardware needed for three weeks away from home. And when I got to the American Airlines counter and hefted my belongings onto the scale, it weighed a little more than 50 pounds, as my blue-eyed wise Texan had predicted when he saw the car visibly sink with the added weight in the boot on our departure from home sweet home. Oops, I thought, and picked up Malia's case, which was smaller and lighter. I looked at the flight attendant manning the check-in counter. She let me take out a few books, and I was immediately reminded of the foreign travellers who seemed to carry everything but the kitchen sink with them when globetrotting, hastily repacking numerous bags in the middle of international airports, oblivious of what they were exposing to the world around them. Luckily, my case was almost empty, just full of hardware, with thankfully no visible underwear, and I successfully transferred a few books in order to comply with the weight restrictions. At the other end, when I retrieved my case from the carousel, I noticed a tag on the handle, heavy, it proclaimed, loud and clear, in bold red print. 
Another variant on our habitual, habitual travel arrangements was that we flew into Heathrow. Gatwick had been the final destination for 25 years. Heathrow is older, busier, and vast. When we arrived after an uneventful flight, thank God, we had to wait about 30 minutes for our gate to become available. So we sat some more and my ankles continued to swell. Then we had to walk because our gate was out in the boonies of Hounslow for about two miles. I'm not exaggerating. Through hot and stuffy corridors, which remorselessly reminded us that there is no or very little air conditioning here. The hallways boasted intermittent walkways, too. What's the deal with those? You get to hop on a moving pavement for about 100 yards and then hop off after being forced to read signs warning you that the walkway is coming to an end and to be careful not to get your trailing clothes caught. Huh? So we walked for another half an hour or so, stretching out our stiffening legs and realizing that our boots, or at least mine, were really not made for walking, more for sitting. Thankfully, with my British passport, we whizzed through passport control. The only question I was asked by an immaculately turned out foreigner for whom the sign about trailing clothes was written about was, what's your relationship on examining Malia's American passport? Was she kidding? Same last names, we look alike. Perhaps she thought we were sisters. Well, um, daughter, mother, I stumbled over my answer and we were waved through. Our bags were waiting for us at the carousel and, as noted above, marked mine was marked heavy and we breezed through customs in search of our bus. Anyway, it's time to go to um, my book and um, the chapter. This week is entitled Immersion, the Best Teacher. Listen as I go on about how important it is for homeschoolers to have their own core values rather than piggybacking on fellow home educators and their ideas. When I had been successfully homeschooling for long enough to know better, I cautiously turned my thoughts to the possibility of a regular support group. These groups took many forms and appealed to a wide variety of underemployed, under-socialized, underachieving and alternative schooling families. The popularity of these groups ran the gamut of appealing to small city-sized families who took God's command to be fruitful and multiply, populate the earth abundantly, literally, tackling the task very nearly single-handedly, to the single parent with an only child. They especially attracted mothers because of their adult-only membership. Dad could be prevailed upon to stay at home with the one or numerous children, while mother diligently attended those continuing education programs in the evenings. Programs which covered topics about teaching across grade levels and subjects like Latin or Spanish. Afflictions such as physical disabilities and talents like sports prodigies. When not attending educational activities, mums could go to any number of groups ranging from mothers of twins to math challenges to preparing for upcoming graduates to participating in a chess club. There were cotillion functions, prom nights, homecoming games and junior leagues. Styles and types of curriculum covered all bases, too. There was Charlotte Mason, Trevian, the well-trained mind, sunlight, and beautiful girlhood groups, all run by dedicated mothers with visions. Other interesting social gatherings revolved around specialized areas. Parents with teens, the college track, and standardized tests, to name but a few. This wealth of support groups was supposed to help potential homeschooling parents find their way through the labyrinth of the oft-confusing world of textbooks, innovative ideas, cutting-edge curricula, and state testing. In short, they encouraged the rookie and seasoned teachers alike to try new methods and ideas, to team up with like-minded individuals, to form groups and co-ops, and maybe even down the line to open their own charter schools. 
Moreover, the choices were such that in a given year, an astute mother with her family's best interests at heart could group hop half a dozen or more times to come up with a method of teaching the best that best suited her. The group she identified herself with that evening and the ideas of the people belonging to that affiliated group. However, there was a drawback to all these possible choices that unless one really had a clear notion of what kind of homeschooler one wanted to be, the bouncing from group to group would fulfill mum's desire for adult company, but fall short of providing the sought-after foundational support for her own family. I've met mothers, for example, who taught Latin for a year, dropped it, picked it up again because the wonderful mother she just met was using a better curriculum, which was going to be the answer to all her Latin problems. She'd drop it again after a few weeks because it didn't work and start in again, only this time with maybe CD and computer support guaranteed to make Latin scholars out of her and her children in 10 easy weeks. Of course, this failed too, because the poor mothers were relying on outside advice and resources rather than pulling from the inside. Bottom line for all of this, no one can do the job for them. The work and effort has to be their own. These mothers found themselves back at square one after four years of tackling the classical language. Why? In my view, they failed to determine what their vision was. As long as they were piggybacking onto someone else's vision without personalizing their own mission, the desire to teach Latin, for example, was not truly theirs. They were simply doing what they saw everyone else doing. I, not others, tweaked my homeschool curriculum from year to year to suit the learning needs of my children. I didn't change my main focus, which was to teach them the classical trivium using scripture, whole books and real life experiences. I never once let my children think that they'd been instrumental in any changes I may have made mid-year to my best laid plans in September, usually in their favour. I smoothly customised according to each child and the incentive came from within myself. I trod gently into this unknown area of expertise, unwilling to be labelled or settled into a niche. I reassured myself that I had been managing alone for almost half a decade and could probably hold my own against the forces of the seasoned support groups. My love for venturing into new situations, walks of life, cultures and countries without the aid of the registered health group had its roots deeply planted many years ago when I was a child. We were posted to Beirut, Lebanon by the Foreign Office where my father was a diplomat. Uh, more about that next week. Well, I just want to tell you something about my surroundings. I am sitting at the moment looking out of the lounge window and can see a fox wandering across the lawn. Yes, it's the middle of the day underneath the giant weeping willow. They roam around quite unperturbed by our presence. Shame I don't have my camera with me. Well, it's in here somewhere, but I can't do camera and radio show at the same time. I'll have to wait until this evening when no doubt we'll catch sight of a couple of them who'll give us a photo opportunity. Several of them were making a dreadful noise last night, though. Malia and I watched them from the lounge window. They weren't fighting, just making threatening noises. This morning I looked and there was no telltale tufts of fur lying around, so their barks were louder than their bites. Well, while sitting enjoying the sunshine, I also noticed way on the other side of the grounds a tree that looked uncannily like a mimosa. This surprised me as I'd never seen one in England before. When I went over to the dustbins this morning, I took a closer look and found it to be a pretty pine and the mimosa flowers were actually delicate tones of reddish peachy colour didn't think mimosas ventured this far north. Well, we're getting close to our break. And um, my guest after our break is um, Colin Slater. I'll tell you a little bit about Colin while I'm waiting for my music. 
Um, Colin is the principal of the European Academy for Christian Homeschooling in Swindon, England. And um, his parents were missionaries in northern Nigeria and returned to Liverpool, England, when he was three years old, where he grew up. Colin read medicine at London University, St. Thomas's Hospital. And he and his wife met in their final year at university. They married and had eight children and they homeschooled all eight of them. Colin spent almost 30 years working in community child health. He retired from the medical profession at the end of 2009 to work for Christian Education Europe, a radical group whom he thought would either be outlawed within six months or the Lord could open a door of opportunity. And on that note, I will go on a 90-second break, and then I will be back to talk to Colin. See you later. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Here comes Motherhood Talk Radio, the most powerful voice in women's issues today. With Sandra Beck and Christy Holly, Tuesday evenings at 6, 5 Central, part of the Her Insight Network on Togginet.com. Motherhood Talk Radio provides a powerful platform for women today by giving interesting, inspiring, and inspirational information to mothers around the globe as they navigate everything from child care to corporate formation. Motherhood Talk Radio will have best-selling authors, gurus of happiness, women of interest, who every single day make our world a better place for our families. Motherhood Talk Radio, powered by Motherhood Incorporated, is co-hosted by corporate executive Sandra Beck and stay-at-home mom Christy Holly. For more information on each and the show, go to MotherhoodTalkRadio.com. Mom, this really is your show. Motherhood Talk Radio with Sandra Beck and Christy Holly. Tuesday afternoons at 6, 5 Central. Part of the Her Insight Network on Tuggynet.com. What's your story? Are you living it? Well, you could be. It's What's Your Story with Hillary Bilbrey. Friday mornings at 10 Eastern, 9 a.m. Central on Tuggynet.com. Her passion is helping others discover, create, and live their personal brands. Yep, you heard me. You have a brand. No different than Coke, Pepsi, or Nike. You are a walking, talking, living, breathing brand. You're not a logo. You're not a tagline. The choices you make become the path you take. This is your brand. Now, live your story. Your brand is not just what you say it is. It's also what others say it is. So what are you communicating? And how can you create an authentic brand? We'll take on these challenges with What's Your Story? Every week, Hillary will feature teens, moms, and organizations that are learning and living their story. Now, her passion is to help others discover, create, and live their personal brands. To find out more, go to inspiredbyfamily.com. It's What's Your Story with Hillary Bilbrey. Friday mornings at 10 Eastern, 9 a.m. Central on toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginet, part of the Her Insight Network. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. Well, hello, I'm back, and I'm broadcasting from London, England, as they say in America. And um, I've decided the three weeks that I'm here that I'm going to be talking to some um, English or British homeschoolers. So my first guest this week is um, Colin Slater, and I gave you a little bit of a a rundown about Colin uh, before we went to break. So good afternoon, Colin. Good afternoon, Vivian. 
Thank you for your invitation. You're very welcome. How are you today? Fine, thank you. Good, We've good. just got some rain, which is the first in weeks here. Well, it, they told us last night on the news that we were going to get rain here, and it was going to rain this morning. No rain. Yeah, None yeah. yet. It's very cloudy, though, but still no rain. Yeah. But everything looks lovely out here, so I'm not complaining. It's nice. Anyway, I want you to tell me just a little bit about your family. You say you have eight children. Did you homeschool all eight of your children? Yes, we did. We really have uh, three little groups. There was the first couple of children did go to st- uh, other schools for a short while. Mm-hmm. And then we, uh, the next uh, child, uh, th- they then went to uh, a little Christian school, running a Christian program. Mm-hmm. And the next child went to a Christian school for a short while. And then they all homeschooled. And the last little group of the eight uh, were entirely homeschooled and it's interesting they all sort of feel a bit different um, yeah. even when they were children it was quite noticeable that um, my wife I think at first didn't really want to uh, take that on but I think when the first one that she started from uh, the beginning sort of learned to read I think she felt differently about it you know yeah. this yeah. could work sort of thing rather than there's no way I could ever do this yeah, well, I, I, had, I had a guest on last week, and um, he was homeschooled. Both his parents were teachers, and he did not read till he was 10. And I said, right. oh, my gosh, I know some people who would be pulling their hair out going, I, what am I doing wrong? Why isn't my child reading? I said, obviously, your parents knew that it would come eventually when you were ready, you would read. <laughs> Well, one of our, I mean, when we were just in the process of uh, the transfer stage from sort of a little Christian school to uh, homeschooling, one of the, uh, one of our friends and uh, neighbours really was, um, they'd been told that their little boy, who aged with our eldest little boy, um, I I was told an educational psychologist at school that said the boy would never read, um, and her mother educated him at home. And the family, I think, at that stage had no sort of academic qualifications, so they've gone on to great things since. But um, the little boy, when we left, he was off to college to do a, a degree in, I think, sports or social uh, you know, leisure or something like that. And he's now running his own company. Oh, yeah, so, right. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful story. All right, so here, now you've got older children, obviously, who have gone on yes. to university. What are the requirements here for homeschoolers to get into the university? What do they have to have right. as homeschoolers? Yeah, in, universities in this in, in this country have a remarkable degree of uh, autonomy, and, and they can take almost who they'd like. I think mm-hmm. so. They have there's a government arranged um, something that University Central. Council for Admissions, I think it's called, uh, UCAS. And um, anyone applying to a British university would get that handbook. The library, the local library would have it. Mm-hmm. And it lists all the courses and things. And the standard one is that there people take the state exams and submit their application. Mm-hmm. But most universities do actually have alternative ways of getting in or alternative entrance. I mean, if you applied from a, a foreign country, for example, you, there would be a way that they could... Uh, review your application mm-hmm. so it's not quite the um the seemingly closed door it is that the universities do differ i think some of them will just say you have to have so many a levels at this grade to come and if you haven't got if you can't tick that box don't apply 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's perfectly possible to get on similar courses in other universities that have mm-hmm. di- different sort of things. I mean, our eldest daughter applied um, to a number of universities. I think she got more. I think she got several places actually. But um, she went to Manchester and. And they gave her an interview, and um, that's a, one of the what we call the red brick universities here. It's mm-hmm. a nineteenth century but, um, cons- uh, establishment, and the staff there said, "Well, we, you could you could come on our alternative entrance um, process or alternative entrance, you know, route." Mm-hmm. So they'd obviously got it set up, um, and they took her with the homeschooling that she'd done. Mm-hmm. Um, she got a two one in English and went on to do a master's. Mm-hmm. So uh, most of most of the young people that we know from our organisation that supports um, homes, homeschoolers, uh, most of the children, I think all of them get the course, pretty well all of them get the course they want, not necessarily at the institution that they want. Yeah. Or yeah. they get something. And... Um, I mean, one of the most difficult courses probably to get into at the moment in this country is medicine, which over here is an undergraduate degree. I believe in yeah. America it's a postgraduate. Uh-huh. I, the, it may move postgraduate here one day, I wouldn't wonder. But um, at the moment it is an undergraduate degree. And the demand is so high that uh, most of the universities say we just can't separate between the excellent candidates we've got. We just have to have a level playing field. Mm-hmm. So to do that, you usually need to take, for many of the places, you need to take um, the, the government's uh, A-level examinations and get very, very good grades indeed. Mm-hmm. Um, however, having said that, we've had students from our organisation who have got into medicine to some medical schools and indeed students who've been on other courses who have then, while they've been at university, been offered a transfer to medicine. Mm-hmm. So my, I think that if the um, the Lord wants you to do something, He can open a door for you. Absolutely. And it's a question of whether you've you've got the faith and commitment to uh, pursue what you believe is the Lord's call, mm-hmm. rather than what man says. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, I agree. So, um, do you have any children at home that you're still homeschooling? There are, yes, we've got, well, three sons still at home. 18, okay. if you call that still at home. We don't see yeah. a lot of them, as you might imagine. Yeah. Uh, uh, 18 and uh, one nearly 16 and one okay. just turned 14. Uh, they're, they're, very, uh, they're no longer my wife's babies, I'm afraid. Uh-huh. Uh, and so she's, she's, she's still teaching them. Are they, are they able to take um, college um, classes? Uh, while they're still doing, we call it high school at that age, or yes. is she? Yeah, they're they're at home. I mean, they're yeah. using the the same program we have always yeah. used at home. In yeah. fact, we've just moved to this um, support organisation that also uh, supports schools as well, independent schools. Um, uh, one of the th- things, personally, I've rather sad is that uh, state schools weren't able to take our curriculum because of nas- the national curriculum which is another subject yeah. but um, because we've moved and are doing that and because the family's shrunk and a lot of them are elsewhere we are just in the process of putting um, the last two into the local little um, Christian school that runs the uh-huh. same programme that we were doing at home. I think yeah. my wife uh, Feels a little bit of a tug at the heartstrings about oh, that. Oh yes, I know. I did. But, I just uh, closed. I closed down my home school last year, 
Right. And uh, that was that was tough. But she had been doing dual credits at um, the college. Right. Yes. And so, um, you know, she'd been under, she'd had other teachers and would bring her stuff home to me. But she'd yes. still have subjects that I would have to, you know, that she'd yes. have to do for me and that. But um, this past year, she's been on her own. So. Yes. Yes, it is a transition. I mean, uh, uh, several of ours, when they introduced something called the uh, European Computer Driving Licence, it's a sort of basic training computer, you know, they've all gone off to some local centre and done that. Those sorts of things are well worth doing. We found as the years went by that lots of, you know, when when we started, it felt as though it was a bit of a wilderness and what were we going Mm. to do, you know. Mm -hmm. We found as the years went by that there's more and more things out there. Yeah, and the, yeah. The, the problem was timetabling. The, uh, yes, the, the that's right. Challenges they got really. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, what 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 decided you and your wife to um, homeschool your children? Right, it was a, a bit of a, a, a journey, really. And um, my main concern originally was that the Christian faith uh, in the community seemed to be retreating. That was my my main thing, and I thought mm-hmm. that was tragic because. Mm-hmm. Um, the, there's a, the delight and joy in knowing and following the Lord Jesus and of his purpose for man's life and so on. We are not a, <laughs> alone in the universe by any means. And that concerned me. How do we do anything? What do we do about that? And to cut a long story short, I, I realized that the Lord was actually doing something about it, and that was education. Mm-hmm. Um, in If you go back uh, enough uh, in history, you find that actually... The Lord's people have always passed on the truth uh, right mm-hmm. down the centuries, certainly all the time of the, the Christian church. Mm-hmm. And we were not doing it. We had actually abandoned it to um, the state and in particular, latterly, to the humanistic frame of reference. That In fact, uh, it's the, um, the modern curriculum is actually uh, addressed from a human, the religion of, of humanism. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the perspective it has, whereas in fact the Bible has a completely different base for everything. So I, I saw that that was it and um, was then looking around and uh, some friends introduced us to Mr. Arthur Roderick who came to take uh, up the Accelerated Christian Education Programme, which actually came from Texas. I think they were in those days based in Texas. I think they may have moved their, their headquarters in the United States now, but they had developed um, a, a sort of whole curriculum and... Um, sort of uh, kindergarten to college level, American college level curriculum uh, 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 across all subjects. And it seemed to be biblically based and have a Christian ethos. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that uh, I respect, several things that uh, attracted me to that, was the um, the, the, the testimony that the founder had said that they'd he was converted to Christ, having sort of had a, uh, an ordinary state uh, training in teaching as a headmaster of a school. And when he was converted, he looked at what the, his own children were being taught and said, well, this isn't, isn't right, and, and wrote a, a, a curriculum. Mm-hmm. And then having had the experience of writing a curriculum, then read it yeah. and had changed in the process and realized that what they'd written was actually too humanistic. Mm-hmm. And so they rewrote it thought, yes, he's got it. He understands what it's about. Mm-hmm. And so that's what, so we moved on to that. We tried to set up a school. It's very difficult. It's far harder than one realizes. Okay. Colin, I just have to interrupt you for a moment. We're going on a break. Yeah. Back at that night. Oh,
How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Join Learning and Laughter with Louise every Wednesday at 9 Eastern, 8 a.m. Central on Toginet to discuss fun, fascinating, and educational topics. Each week, Louise will be talking with a variety of guests, ranging from authors, educators, parents, filmmakers, athletes, and entrepreneurs, just to name a few. You know, when it comes to learning, the sky is the limit. And so will the topics that are covered here on Learning and Laughter with Louise. Louise Sattler is a school psychologist who has worked within the fields of special education and bilingual education. She also owns a successful company, Signing Families that creates DVDs and special workshops to teach sign language and instructional products for people of all ages and needs. With new DVDs coming out soon, check her website for more information at signingfamilies.com. From time to time, Louise will be joined by her daughter, Natasha Sattler, who will give a college-age perspective to the show. So pour that morning cup of coffee and join us here on Toginet every Wednesday morning at 9 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Central. You never know who will show up for Learning and Laughter with Louise on toginet.com. Let's chat it up with Bloom Talk with Barb Scala on Toginet. Thursday afternoons at 3 Eastern, 2 Central. And find out how women are growing, blossoming, and blooming in their friendships and careers, health, and so much more. It's Bloom Talk with Barb Scala. Check out our website, bloomwithbarb.com. Whether you want to transplant your life or just do a little pruning, Bloom Talk will inspire you to cultivate the lifestyle you want to live. Join lifestyle coach and co-author of Sanity Savers, Barb Scala, each week on Bloom Talk and sprout your dreams. Grow your life. I hear a lot from women. I want meaning in my life. I want a fulfilling life. I want to do something that's exciting. and I can control my life instead of my life controlling me. I can tell the world this is who I am and, and this is what I'm all about. Barb will introduce you to dynamic guests and real women who are redesigning, re building and reinventing their own lives and bloomstorm how you can dream create and grow the lifestyle you want to live it's bloom talk with barb scala thursday afternoons at three eastern two central on toginet.com welcome back to the sociable homeschooler with vivian mcninney the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's the Sociable Homeschooler on Toginet, part of the Her Insight Network. And now back to your host, Vivian McNenny. All right, I'm talking to um, Colin Slater, a veteran homeschooler here in England. And um, Colin, you were giving me um, the uh, short story as to why you and your wife decided to homeschool yes, your children. <laughs> that's a short but we were cut off for the break. Yes, yes. So, right. yes, so we we ended up, we tried to start a school, but it, I, I, it was a real spiritual struggle, uh, and we did. Then I thought, well, the curriculum would run as a home uh, program, and my wife was really not happy about that, so we moved to where the school was, and then over a few years it ended up homeschooling, and, and she was delighted we did it. I, I think wild horses wouldn't have dragged it away from her after a few years of doing it. But it did. It is quite a sort of change and a huge. Um, one can understand people thinking, you know, how, how can I cope? The answer is, it's a, it's a lot lovelier than you, you you ever imagined. Really. Yes, yes, of course it is. Um, okay, so you said that this curriculum ACE is is what yeah. you yeah. yeah. Um, it works with the local or local education authorities, actually the LEAs. Um, um, so is it kind of you know, in America we have like these private schools and these curriculum companies that can become an umbrella over the homeschool. I mean, in Texas, we're lucky because every homeschool is considered its own private school. 
But in other states, you know, there are different laws. And so they might have to register with a, you know, a recognized private school. So is this the same kind of um, service or or thing that ACE does? No, um, the the Accelerated Christian Education curriculum is just a curriculum that will, um, it has its own methodology, of course, Mm -hmm. and and that will, will, will run in a school. It adapts actually quite well to the home to the home situation with some changes, of course. The situation in England with respect to homeschooling is, I, I think, probably very different from America. Mm-hmm. You had to fight, you know, law cases and things, didn't you, to get it? Mm-hmm. We, our education law. Well, there's a long story, a long history of education law, of course. But the main act, which was the one that was in force when we started, was the 1944 Education Act, which, because of the uh, existence in England of uh, landed gentry and the nobility and things who who would have their own um, tutors in their palaces. Uh, the law included a clause that uh, provided for edu- what the the end of the phrase was ed- or or otherwise education otherwise. Okay. Uh, so that you didn't have to go to school. It only nearly said that you had to go to school, but it didn't because it said or otherwise. So that left. It possible a sort of loophole, as it were, um, for other things to happen. And people, when we started, thought it wasn't legal. And they said to us, well, in fact, it's never been illegal. It is perfectly legal. What has changed recently is that I think it's the 1996 Act has established the legal responsibility for parents to provide what is called suitable and efficient education. Mm-hmm. That's a, now a legal... and You have a legal obligation in this country to provide suitable and efficient education for your children. And indeed, if you aren't doing that, you are breaking the law. And of course, sending the child to the local state school, you would think, would be... Uh, would fulfill that criteria. So the, the situation was never um, quite requiring the legal uh, challenges. What is uh, a legal obligation in this country is that... If an education, local education authority, and the country is divided up into um, uh, administrative regions, usually counties, perhaps metropolitan boroughs, something like that, which local councils will have their own education department, which is called the local education authority, LEAs. If the local, if the LEA knows about a child, then it has a responsibility in law to supervise its education. So if you move to an area or you have a baby and never tell the education authority about your child, of course, the education authority doesn't have responsibility. Mm -hmm. So uh, for a lot of parents, and when we've moved about the country, we haven't always told the local education authority. Sometimes others have told the local education authority. (laughs) Some of those neighbours are really, really helpful. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. We never did find out who it was. Um, we didn't actually mind because I thought we were, well, I, not, I not only did I think we were doing, my wife was doing a good job, but uh, I also knew what the local education authority was struggling not to cope with in its own facilities. And I didn't think we were, you know, that they wouldn't be able to uh, criticise us. Um, though I think there are probably cases on the fringe of society that perhaps do need a, you know, um, some looking at. But there are plenty of provisions to, to, to provide that without making the, the local education authority some sort of policeman. Um, but the, the, when we started, the government exams, there wasn't a national curriculum. And the government exams, we could have just taken them from the, the Christian curriculum we were doing. We were, we were doing, and that was what we 
plan to do. And in fact, probably the biggest challenge individually on our transfer to uh, home, complete homeschooling was the fact that uh, just at the point at which we were coming out of school and going into Christian education full time, was that the government stopped providing those exams. And in fact, although they provide them now for children in other parts of the world, it's illegal to take them in England. So we had no outcome uh, examinations, qualifications to get. And that was probably the biggest step of faith that we, we took with it all. And they, the government subsequently introduced a national curriculum which state schools are obliged to follow. But independent schools do not have the same legal responsibility. So that uh, it is possible, not in a state school, to follow another curriculum. So sadly, our curriculum, which is I think, very good, could not be simply taken into a state school because it would not necessarily tick all the boxes uh, in the order that the state uh, national curriculum wants to do. I mean, it's another subject, really, the question of what's, it, what's the state doing making a curriculum? <laughs> what kind of totalitarian regime are, is one moving towards? That's, an, that's another question. Yeah, and, our, and, own, uh, our own, the preschool stuff, in fact, does fulfil all the criteria for early years. So there's, there's no difficulty. I mean, if early years, which it looks as though it may be, a, um, uh, the requirements may be more stringent for the early years. Uh, in future, that's that's coming over the horizon, I think. Um, our own curriculum, one of our staff has, has gone into it in detail, and it, it, it actually covers that. So the situation is different, and we, um, we just have two sorts of homeschool, really, those who have to see the education authority because the education authority know them, know about them, and those who are just not known. So nobody actually knows how many children home educate. Yeah. There's yeah. no figures because... Uh, it would be very difficult to find out. Now, this, um, this uh, you, you touched on, uh, you know, what, what is, why a national curriculum, I mean, what is, what is the state yes. doing uh, or yes. the country <laughs> doing? But, you know, when I'm in America, I kind of go, oh, well, in England, you know, the welfare state would look after me. When I talk to my brother about yes. things that happen when people die, you know, sort of leaving yeah. their wives destitute or whatever in America, he says, oh, the American system is just so bad. That would never be allowed to happen here in England. I'm going, you just let yourself be looked after completely by the welfare state. Take it for granted, you know, feel entitled to it and lose a lot of your own responsibility. Don't don't you agree, don't you think? Yes, I mean, I think think that, yes, there's a very different history over here. Mm -hmm. Um, with, with that, and the, and the country has a, a, a long process with that, and I'm afraid a sort of, I think a bit of a, a love affair with the, for example, the National Health Service, mm-hmm. um, and it is a problem. I, we, when we moved to this new job, my mo- my mother was 92 and was you know failing as night. She admitted that she was having in- strenuously maintained her independence, despite mm-hmm. the fact that she couldn't really cope. You know the sort of yes. thing. Um, and uh, so we moved her in with us, which was fine. But it took till she died for us to get all the bits of paper through for all the things that she was supposed to be getting. And I don't think we ever did see the occupational no. therapist. No, what, I know. You know. What actually happened was what we got on with it, you know. Um, so it's, it, it, it's a problem if yeah. uh, a system is supposed to do what only people can do. I know. That's the problem. I know. That uh, people, individuals. Uh, are, are the, the people who, who do things. You look for someone to do it, someone who can do it. 
Yeah. Uh, that should be somewhere within the uh, the person's um, immediate acquaintance, you know, the mm-hmm. neighbours, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we we have lost some of that, and probably lost some freedoms with it as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I was looking for something. I, I I've been here about four days, and one of the mm-hmm. carers said, "Oh, your mum has a problem getting into the bath." And so I thought, "Oh, well, maybe I could put a step or something." So I called the county council. And they set me up with an appointment with a social worker and they had this building that's all set up with all of these aids that I could take my mother and she could check to see if she, is she if it would work there. And I'm going, I just want the name of a shop where I can go and look yes, for myself and I decide for myself. And it suddenly comes into all this and we'll give it to yes. you if you're referred for nothing and everything. And I'm going, hang on a minute, just cancel my appointment. Can you tell me the name of a shop? Oh, no, I can't do yes, that. So I... Yes. Well, the most useful thing we got from my mother was, was in fact, a wheelchair that we went to the local St. John's Ambulance. They were very, yeah. very good. They had a variety of things, done, and they had a suitable wheelchair, you know, and for a small donation, that was... Um, yeah, that, I that think, was, yeah, we're, we're dependent, that's what we are. And, you know, Texas, with our history, well, I'm saying our, I mean, I've been there 25 years now, and it's quite amazing reading Texas yeah. history... Um, we are very, very cautious around the government. If the government wants to put any money into anything, we go, nope, nope, don't want government involvement at all. We'd rather pay for it ourselves or go without. And and so that's why with homeschooling, that's it. Don't come near us and tell us what we can and cannot do as far as educating our children. That's right. And there's a sort of creeping agenda because I think what happened with some of the... uh, in recent uh, months, there's been uh, homeschooling has gone up the political agenda hugely. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's been a creeping sort of responsibility. The um, Ofsted is one, I think, the inspecting body for schools and so on. Uh-huh. Of course, if the government is running schools for people, why should the government be running schools? That's another question. But, you know, if it is, then, of course, perhaps an inspector that uh, establishes that he's doing a proper job. Um, why couldn't the parents decide that is another question I would have. But you know, it, uh, an inspector of some sort is appropriate. But mm-hmm. it's creeping responsibility to all children. It's not, mm-hmm. it's not, orig- not meant to be in the original remit, is it? This is a bit I don't understand. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that mindset is is I think a European thing. I mean, it's something that happens this side of the Atlantic. I don't mm-hmm. think it, I don't think Britain's alone. I think the further east you go, the more and more, and um, yeah. the, the, the assumptions of sort of state intervention uh, are seen. Yeah. And the it was the thin end of the wedge because, of course, back. At, Okay, we will continue. Um, we, I will speak to you for about another five minutes on the other side, Colin, okay? So just like you hang are. on a minute. Right. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. No more mommy madness. The Sanity Hour is the antidote. It's the Sanity Hour with Ann Dunnewald. 
Monday evenings at 6, 7 central. Part of the Her Insight Network on Toginet.com. Join Anne as she guides parents through issues that arise from simply living in our current high-energy, high-pressure culture of perfection and achievement. Moms and dads are bombarded daily. Sign up for this, buy that, enrich your child's life, enhance your child's development, worry about this danger, provide this experience. Anne Dunnamall, Ph.D., is here to help. She's a licensed psychologist in independent practice in Dallas, specializing in women's mental health issues. And her mission here is to help women sort out the guilt and anxiety of the unrealistic demands of motherhood on a daily basis. For more information on her and her books, go to AnnDunnewald.com. That's A-N-N-D-U-N-N-E-W-O-L-D.com. Arming women against the pressures of modern motherhood. Here to give moms balance and expectations. Cutting themselves some slack. It's the Sanity Hour with Ann Dunnewald. Monday evenings at 6, 7 Central. Part of the Her Insight Network on Toginet.com. Get ready for the Not-So-Soccer Mom Tuesday afternoons at 1 Eastern, noon Central on Toginet with Jill Hickey. You name it, from politics to pop culture to Jill's search for the perfect bronzer and chicken salad. The Not-So-Soccer Mom will weigh in on it all. The sentence, I have no opinion about that, is one that Jill has never uttered. In the early 90s, Jill finally decided to put her thoughts, opinions, mom advice, love of pop culture, hummus, and Starbucks, working out, cosmetic shopping, and politics into an actual website and thus NotSoSoccerMom.com was born. Shortly after her fourth child, a boy, Jerome, now she's really got tons of topics to share with you. This is Laugh Out Loud Funny, and we're not kidding. What's a loud Nebraska girl who lived in Little Rock for many years and now is up in the Northeast doing, chronicling her opinions on everything? The wheels aren't off yet, but it's close. It's the Not-So-Soccer Bomb with Jill Hickey. Tuesday afternoons at 1 Eastern, noon Central on toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginet, part of the Her Insight Network. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. All right, I'm talking to Colin Slater, an English homeschooler. He and his wife homeschooled their eight children. We're still homeschooling three of them. Um, Colin... Uh, for this last five minutes, um, yeah. let's talk a little bit about um, just your 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 day to day function as a homeschool. Were you were you very scheduled and you you know got up early in the morning and did it all by lunchtime or how did that work? Right, there was a a, a sort of a development an evolution of that really. When they started, they even put school uniform on oh. and sort of began at nine o'clock and had assembly uh-huh. and and so uh-huh. on. As the years went by, we got very, very much more relaxed about it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it's, it, it was really the, whether they achieved their goals or not was, mm-hmm. the, was the issue. Mm-hmm. Well, our eldest son used to, I mean, he considered the day was over by nine o'clock. It was a disaster because everyone had come down and were interfering with him. You know, he was up <laughs> at seven and was sort of plowing through his, uh, his work by then, whereas others would sort of float down later on. Mm-hmm. So there was a it was a development. I think as they get older, you just can't get it all done in the morning, really. No, uh, no that's right. Just, you, you know, they do. And, I mean, you know, by the time you're looking at college-level sort of work, I mean, they're doing homework in the evening and you know, mm-hmm. until 10 o'clock, simply mm-hmm. because they've got a lot of ground to cover and they're, they're trying to yeah. cover it. Yeah. One yeah. of the things we found was rather nice was that I think um, at some point they get the bit between their teeth and go. <laughs> you don't need mm-hmm. sort of those... Keeping going when they're still in the sort of junior school years, is, is, which I think uh, can be with some of them. Some are, are very easy, but some of the children, it was much more of a challenge yeah, for them. 
But at some point, they start, they take responsibility and they really mm-hmm. get a, a, a grip on it. And it's actually quite nice to see because it extends to all sorts of other things. They, you know, take responsibility for the rest of their lives as well. Yes, I mean, that's it's right. Lovely, that's right. Tremendous. Yeah, we thing. noticed that. Okay, mm. so what did you do when, um, like, if you were ever out during the day, did you take the children out during the day when everybody else was at school? Uh, y- yes, my wife would do that. Um, and I was, and how, how was she met with that? I mean, did people make comments? Um, it's probably got slightly more difficult than uh, over the years than less, I think. Really? Um, yeah, I think probably so. Because of the uh, whole sort of uh, interference, um, you know, nanny state um, mentality that has been developed, not yeah. just with class labour government, but with, I think the government before that was mm-hmm. beginning to move in that direction. Um, but we've never had any problems. I mean, one of the nice things about homeschooling is that you can go to, to, to things, to events, to visits when, you know, it's on a quiet, uh, quiet day. Now, mm-hmm. we would usually take holidays away from the main sort of school yeah. holiday time. Yeah. Um, and we picked up things as they came along. I mean, once there was a potter down the road for six months, and then, you know, with others, we, they went along making pottery once a month or once a week or something, you know. So that was how, how that worked, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, um, we have something in America that just started, well, in our state anyway, called year-round school. And so oh, right. it made it so much easier because yeah. all, there were a lot of children out of school during regular yes. school times. But we, we would always get... You know, all my children would be directly asked, why aren't you at school today? And they'd go, yes. oh, we're yes. finished with school or we've, we've done or we are at school. This is part of school. <laughs> we're on an outing with yes. Yes. places and stuff yes. like that. Yes. And, uh, you know, get these odd looks and always that socialization question, you know, what do you do about socialization? And I go, well, you know. And, they uh, do much better. I mean, it's amazing. They're very good with across okay. the ages, aren't they? I mean, they rather yes, than be sort of squash with all of the 13-year-old boys or 8-year-old girls or whatever that's they right. are. That's right. That's I mean, so unnatural. All right, yes. Colin, well, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you this afternoon. Oh, thank you. And you have a wonderful weekend, and I will be calling you because we are hooking up again in uh, in right. a couple of weeks for my third show. Yes. So is that all right? I'll call you and... Um... Thank you very much. All right. Well, thank you very much, Colin. Thank and, you very uh, much. God bless. Thank you for the invitation. Love to hear you. Thank Goodbye. you. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, so that was very interesting. I think you learned a lot there, as it's very different um, homeschooling here in England, and uh, you can you can get online and learn more. Okay, well, I'm going to go for the for the last uh, few minutes here. I'm going to go back to my arrival home with my youngest daughter in tow. So there we were at the airport, still walking, and now we're following signs to the bus station. The trek was upstairs and down ramps and it was long and I thought surely we must be at my mum's by now. The fact that we were taking a bus versus a car was directly related to cost. Two pounds each on the bus versus 70 pounds in the car. You don't have to know what a pound is to get the, the gist of what that meant. And Malia, ever the observant homeschooler, reasoned that if we bust it, we would have 66 more pounds to invest in our wardrobes. She's the shopper, remember? So this little jaunt on the bus took us a further two hours, and I was grateful that we'd have been able to walk for so long through the airport since we were once again sitting trapped in a transport. The X-26 wound and wended its way through numerous towns, stopping to let people off and on. 
and we pass through some lovely places, one of them Kingston on Thames, where we will return to the shopping. It looked enticing from the window, and the river walk looked natural, not a moving pavement in sight. And um, next week, when we toddle off to Germany via Heathrow, we're going to try the train route instead of the bus route, see if that gets us there a little bit faster. And uh, my mom's flat is new. She's been here for about a year, and um, it's my first time here. And for the past 25 years, we've stayed in um, the seaside town of Broadstairs, where my parents used to live. And it was always full of tourists, as it is a favorite destination place for Britons and Europeans to holiday. So when we were there, we just blended with the crowd of foreigners and locals and the children's American accents went unnoticed. But this time we are in a suburb of London where everyone is local except us, or so it seems. Actually, I was having a cup of coffee with my daughter on the pavement, which is the sidewalk. And a lady stopped as she was walking past and asked me where another dry cleaners was. Are you kidding me? I thought another dry cleaners in this small town? She's quite put out when I told her I didn't know. And she was obviously a visitor herself. My daughter and I also noticed something else. When we went into little news agents or even the coffee shop, the assistants have very strong Indian or European accents. They can hardly understand us or we them for that matter. And Malia is hesitant to speak because she claims no one will be able to understand her very uncool American accent. I tell her that they probably will love her uncool accent just as they love mine in America. I think she's just too shy to get up in front of people and ask them questions. So she urges me to do it. She told me over our pavement cup of coffee that her friends at college who have met me and heard me talk wonder why she doesn't speak with an English accent, especially since she homeschooled. That is a curiosity, isn't it? One of her friends who knows us very well suggested that perhaps my blue-eyed cowboy speaks a lot in our house, maybe. Anyway, we have walked the very decent Beckenham High Street and um, several times in the last few days, and without a car... We have to be really careful about what we buy because we have to lug it up the hill to the flat. That's another 15-minute walk. And I keep thinking to myself, that's one more ice cream I can eat if I want to. Those are very good too, the ice creams. All kinds of yummy surprises on a stick. Mars bars, Twixes, Rolos, Zero, Aeros, and other delights to satisfy a sweet tooth. And the high street itself looks very pretty. It has hanging baskets of brightly colored periwinkles dangling from all the lampposts and outside a lot of the shops. It all looks pretty and extremely quaint and very English. There's a park through which we walk as a shortcut. We can sit on a bench for a breather as we're usually laden down with our heavy bags. Actually, Malia tried this this morning on her own and was verbally accosted by an old man who shouted, Woman! And she wisely ignored him. That's the last time she'll venture through the park on her own. Crossing roads is also an experience. The cars all come at us from another direction. They drive on the left here, of course. Luckily, there are lots of pedestrian crossings, and all we have to do is push a button and wait for the green walking man and the high-pitched peak to alert us that it is relatively safe to cross. And the cars do obediently stop for people pushing prams and carrying bags of shopping, which is impressive, but then a lot of people walk, so they expect to have to stop and start through the town. And uh, something else, uh, my daughter stayed up watching um, television the other night and she told me the next morning that there were only four channels. My mother doesn't have cable. She doesn't have internet either. So she, Malia, not my mum, is on the high street at an eye cafe paying about 15 minutes for access once a day. She has to wait until the evenings. Uh, we have a local phone service on ourselves, which are mobiles here. 
This is all well and good, but she doesn't know anyone she can text and talk to in England. She has to wait until everyone is up in America before getting online, so she has to make do with me for company until America wakes up. A tad inconvenience, since I'm not nearly as scintillating, she tells me, as her peer friends, but I have a uh, deep wallet. And I told her this would be a taste of how life would be if she decided to move here. We forget just how much we take America for granted until we travel away. And actually, my conversation with Colin Slater made made me realize really just how fortunate we are in America. But then again, we've only been here a few days. I'm sure we'll quickly get into the swing of the slower pace of life here in the city. The two of us commented on just how frantic we are in America. Even though London is a busy place, the pace of life is not as fast. And I've become very aware of how much I rush trying to cram my day with jobs and accomplishments as if I needed to complete a certain number of things each day before going to bed. For goodness sake, we walked to the high street three times on our first day. Even I'm overwhelmed by my manic behavior and Malia keeps telling me to chill. And I have about two minutes left of my show and I wanted to... um, close with uh, wishing my husband a happy birthday one more time and um, I think I'm just a teeny weeny little bit having homesickness here but we'll be okay so I'm going to say goodbye until next week and thanks to my handsome husband who turned another year wiser without me today and still believes in love at first sight our four children who are the result of that belief, Stacey Cannonberg and her Insight Network the staff at Togginet Radio, my guest, Colin Slater, and all my listeners, especially Hubby and the St. Johnses. Join me in London again next week when my guest will be Laura Lee Ellis. She's an American in Oxford writing while her husband finishes his PhD. They are both homeschool graduates. And Ali Lepreet, host of The Still Parents Stay at Home, is next. So stay tuned in for her. Have a great week. And may the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Number 6, 24 through 26. Doop, doop, doop. And I'll say goodbye as I'm looking at my beautiful blue hydrangeas out here. And uh, the lovely tree that looks like the Lavosa. Thank you for joining us for The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney on Togi.